Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergent Nine Golf Podcast. Jay Woodson is alongside me. I am Mike Maroney, and just two of us. McLean is two of us. Don't sing, please. Don't sing. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. I mean, they, they don't. But I mean, I enjoy doing it, even though well, people don't like to listen to I'm, it. I'm, I hope you had fun with that because <laughs> I never want to hear it again. Um, yeah, McLean's not with us. Uh, he's going through a big transition, which I, you know, he's mentioned on the, on the podcast the last few weeks. A new new company um, moving states, and so he's he's got a lot going on. He's out traveling and uh, training with his his new boss at his new company, and so um, unable to make it this week. So just just Jay and I. Hopefully, he gets back on a regular schedule here soon once he gets settled in Nashville. So we hope he's we hope he's listening and tuning in this week. He better give us a damn download. Come on, McLean. Hook it up. Uh so Jaybird, what are you drinking? Um, I cracked open a bottle of Henry McKenna 10. Oh, you, you did go to bourbon. Okay. Yeah, I switched. I was I had a it was a hot day today. It's hot. It wasn't that hot, temperature hot. I think I just had some other things that we were cleaning up and it was just intense day and I need to cool down and I had a seltzer to start the night and uh homemade seltzer. And then now I'm on to the, now I'm relaxed. I got some good stuff. We're chilling. So sorry. What was it? Henry McKenna 10, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I am uh, on Bardstown. Uh, fusion. Oh, nice. Just a fusion Seven series. Eight. Number, number eight, maybe. Yeah, that's that's the the most recent one. I most think. recent I one. Yeah, I haven't had it. What do you think? It's good. I've never had a bad Bardstown. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's very good. good. So we uh, we're both pinkies up. McLean, pinkies up, we're both pinkies up today. So <laughs> hope you're enjoying a Corona light somewhere. I'm sure you are. Uh, <laughs> so you were you were talking about it's going to be hot or it was hot. I know not necessarily temperature wise. So I'm going to. Scottsdale this weekend. And I happened oh, to God. check I happened to check the weather in Scottsdale. It's it's close to it's in the 90s I think, isn't it? And there's an air quality alert. And today's the, the today's forecast said 100 degrees, mostly sunny and hot, danger of dehydration and heat stroke if outside <laughs> for extended periods of time. Good luck. I'm like man, this sounds awesome. It'll be great. Bring uh, water. Luckily, it is going to dip down to 94 while we're there. But oh. I have I have the golf channel on, and they're actually in Scottsdale right now playing at Greyhawk. The women's national championship is going on. They're in the oh, match play, right. and they were just showing uh, Golf Central was just showing one of the coaches like pouring ice on one of the girls trying to keep her cool. I'm like, this is not going to be fun. Scottsdale in February is beautiful, though. I mean, I would have gone <laughs> in. That's what I hear. Um. um I know you guys are. You're going for a mutual friend's birthday. Uh, th- three of a couple birthdays. Three birthdays in our in our crew of friends here. Of uh, there's four couples, and we've been going away for everyone's fortieth. And three of them happen to turn forty in like an eight day period. That's awesome. So they chose Scottsdale on Memorial Day weekend. Again, February would have been great, but that's where <laughs> we're going. So we're actually it's we're still playing. Be nice though. Yeah, it's still be nice. We'll, we'll have a great time. Um, it's dry heat, so they say. I mean, yeah, so you you won't even feel it. Yeah, that's a fucking lie. Until your skin melts off, then it's yeah. then you'll notice it. Yeah, it's a dry heat because you got to go inside at one o'clock in the afternoon. 
yeah, you don't feel it. <laughs> everyone, everyone out there, they, they do all of their, their work, their outdoor activities from six to 10 and they yeah. come inside from 10 to six. Yeah. They and can say whatever. They don't even know. They don't even know what the heat feels like in the afternoon because they have yeah. to go inside. They go inside. They don't like, it feels great. It's 71 degrees in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you guys going to play any golf? We're playing golf. So we're actually the, the women's national championship ends tomorrow. Then the men's national championship starts at Greyhawk. And we're playing the other Greyhawk golf course. Oh wow! So we'll they have two golf courses there. We'll be there during the men's national championship. The stroke play portion uh, will be going on while we're there. So that'll be cool to be around. Out to Whisper Rock too. Uh, no, we're not going to make it out there. We got um, the hall pass from all the wives to play one one day, one round of golf while they spend probably more than us at the spa. <laughs> so. Hmm. yeah we'll see how it goes i'll report back but yeah it'll be cool to be at Greyhawk with the national championship going on i was hoping my clemson tigers would be there but they lost in a playoff to get to the nationals oh and the regionals so oh well but yeah we'll be out there sorry clemson you can't win everything (laughs) it's just the way it's going for my teams this year and i know boston's really doing a good job in the in the the eastern conference the post post postseason it's not been going great for my teams. So I'll just add that to the list. But <laughs> I'll report back on the dry heat next week. Yeah. Let us know how that felt. But let's get let's get to the PGA championship. And you know what? We're gonna start with Michael fucking block. We'll get to Brooks. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna start with the story of the weekend. I'm a PJ professional. McLean's dad was a long time. Hall of Fame, PJ professional, a legend. So we're going to start there. We'll get to Brooks winning and all that kind of stuff because there's a lot to talk about with, with him. But what was your take on Michael Block this weekend? Were you caught up in the mania? Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, there hasn't been a PGA pro finish in the top 15 since what? There's only two players have done it since 1980. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, I, granted, I know he plays a lot of golf, um, and he's a, he's a, he's a, was is he a director of instruction or is he, is he, he's an instructor at, at uh, no, his, I think technically his title is actually head golf professional. He is help, head golf professional. Okay. Well, yeah. that's even more impressive because, uh, you know, no, nothing against guys who teach all day, but I, 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 but to do both to teach all day and have to run a golf course, like you, you don't have time to go out and play as much golf as you need to, to be competitive. And what was the most refreshing part of the whole thing is that I think he gave one of the interviews that he, that he made. Uh, I'm not sure with who, but he, he was basically recollecting and talking about his experience with his, his members. And they were like, you know, he went out, I think he said he shot like even par at his home club and, you know, and the guys were like, Oh, Mike, you should be playing on tour. And he's like, you guys have no idea how hard it is. <laughs> Like you just you don't know how good these guys are. You guys are insane. And for him, he was like, for me to come out here and actually play my game, you know, granted, I didn't have to go shoot 62, 63. It was a really difficult golf course. It fit my eye. He he kept making, he likes to move the ball left to right. And he said there were so many cut holes and it just fit in. The greens were perfect. Um, he was just like, this was a it just matched up with, with the way that I played, you know, and the way that the way that he teaches, you know, he's a big fan of Arnold Palmer. Play, play your game, swing your swing. And that's yeah. that's what he does. And he just enjoyed it, lived it, 
Um, I think he was, he embraced uh, the moment and how special it was and in terms of um, accepting how difficult or how special it is to play in a PGA championship. And when he did make putts, he looked at the crowds, he, he engaged with the crowds. I think that's what, that's what started it. You know, he would make a putt and look to the crowd and, and give them kind of a smile and a wink and a wave. And like, the fans just they they just want some interaction. They ate something. It up. They ate it up. And especially with his story being like kind of the underdog, it's like this was like a home run. And then, you know, on Sunday, you know, to make the hole in one on 15 and then to get up and down on the last hole to finish in the top 15. I mean, I was watching it and I was freaking rooting like I was rooting for Tiger to win a major. I mean, it was it was yeah. it was it's cool. So I, I had I had actually known the name Michael Block and knew a little bit about him. Just because he he's yes he plays a lot of golf he plays a lot of competitive golf and he has had a lot of really high finishes the last few years I think he won our our national championship um, a couple of years ago so I was aware of the name and he's played in twenty five twenty six tour events I mean so he gets he, you know he's in the Southern he Cal section of the PGA and, and he's won some events to get some exemptions into the American Express and. He's got some exemptions into the farmer's insurance at Torrey Pines. So he's not completely like unaware yeah. of the situation and he's comfortable being around some of these guys and on a big stage per se. You know, it's different when there's, you know, a ton of grandstands and you're hitting balls next to Rory or Rom or yeah, whoever it is. And, and when you do that enough, you, you, you don't become numb to it, but it, you just become more comfortable with it. Sure. And so, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, it was cool, you know, and I kept like, man, he played well. I'm like, wow, he did it again. And then like after he shot the third straight 70 on Saturday, I was like, wow, this is like really freaking impressive now. Like he was what top, he was T8 paired with Roy McIlroy going into Sunday. I'm like, holy shit. And then, you know, they're talking like, well, if he finishes top four, he gets into the Masters. Yeah, it was and, top three. Top three gets into the Masters. Top four gets into the U.S. Open, and then uh, it, it kept going like yeah. down the. List. I'm like, he's got a legitimate shot to to do it. Yeah, you know. So it, it was, was. I was definitely crazy. caught up in it. I uh, we had to, we ran out of the house um, for a little bit. I was I was off on Sunday for a change after remember guest weekend, but we ran out of the house for a little bit. So I recorded the beginning of the coverage, and when we came back, I like I made my wife. I'm like, Lindy, come here, come here, come here. You can just watch the. Just watch him tee off on the first hole. She was like, why am I watching yeah. this? And yeah. he got a bigger ovation than Rory, you know, like. Oh, and then, so I'm watching it and she comes down later on. And this is obviously later in the round. And this was like probably 15 minutes after he made the hole in one. And I was like nearly falling asleep on the couch just because of how tired I was from work. And when he made that hole in one, I, I could have gone all night. I was like so jacked up when he made that thing. Lindy came down I'm like, come here, come here. You got to watch this. And she, of course, she rolls her eyes at me, which she does multiple <laughs> times a day. <laughs> uh, and then she was even like holy shit he made a hole in one yeah I'm like I yeah mean, like this story just got better it's un it's unbelievable he even uh, he even said that him and his caddy kept pinching themselves during the during the tournament and they were like kept doing it like literally and phys physically or not figuratively but they actually were freaking pinching themselves because they were like, "Is this real? Is this what's what's going on here?" You know, it it was it was a super cool story. I mean, that's what's we don't you don't get those very often. I mean, I, we have the opportunity to see that occasionally in the, in like a U.S. Open 
And even in the masters, you'll get like a, an amateur that play, like, like Sam Bennett this year. Yep. Cool story. I mean, so two, two straight events in a row, we've had kind of this really cool Cinderella, you know, underdog story. And then, you know, again, leading into the U S open and, and the open championship there, the storylines, who knows what yeah. the storylines will be. I mean, there's, there's so many amateurs that play in the U S the U S open. There's a chance that we could have that again, which is, that's, that's always fun. Cause it's like, Hey, he's one of the guys. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, he, he can sh- play like me sometimes. I mean, obviously not. He's playing yeah. great, but <laughs> yeah, you know, guy's, but he's he a stick. Yeah. And he doesn't, I mean, he's a, he looks like a normal guy. It's not like he's like, uh, like six, four and like, you know, jacked, you know, he's like, Hey, he looks like a, looks like a normal dude teaching pro. He doesn't look like he's anything, you know, crazy or special, but which makes not- it even cooler. He's not one of the young guns in the PGA of America, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's 46. His ball speed was like 156. You know, it wasn't like. That's insane. That's insane that he played so well with that. Right. I mean, like, 7,400 yards. It was soft. I got a ton of rain, thick rough, like par 70. Like that's a long golf course for 155 that, mile an hour ball speed. Like, I mean, for, it's like, they say roughly what, 150 to 200 yards for every, for every yard that you take off of, uh, you know, a, Typical par of seventy two, so it essentially played like a almost a seventy seven hundred yard yep. golf course. Yep. Seventy seven hundred yards. That is so long. Like I mean, I, I mean, granted, I know the fairways were super firm and fast the first few days, but after the rain, it definitely softened up it quite softened. a bit. Yeah, and and that doesn't that if you're hitting the rough, then you're really far back. <laughs> yeah, and those fairways were narrow, narrow, super like, narrow. And so, yeah, it, it was it was just cool. I was caught up in it. And, you know, every interview he did, he just, you know, he said the right things. And it, it's it's just impressive, like, to just keep it going. Like, you know, at some point, like, okay, I'm making headlines. I'm now doing, like, press conferences. Like, everyone's talking about me. I'm getting all this, like, when's when am I going to come back to reality? And I think he even said that at some point. Like, he thought it was, like, he was going to kind of fall back into reality a little bit as far as his play goes. Yeah. And then. He finished it off. He finished it off, which is that again, that's that that's that metric that we haven't figured out how to quantify, you know, is that kind of clutchness like that was one of the most clutch performances, you know, from a from a non like, you know, PGA star. Yeah. For a guy to come out there who doesn't play. I mean, granted, like we said, he's played in quite a few PGA Tour events. But he doesn't do it regularly. It's not like he's out there every week. I mean, there's plenty of guys that play out there every week for a living that played much worse than him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> look at John Rahm, John look Rahm. at you know, the number one player in the world. I mean, finish behind him. I yep. mean, that's incredible. Like, I mean, how many people could say, yeah, I played, I played the number one player in the world in a PGA championship and I beat him? Yeah. I mean, I know it's hard to, you, it's hard to, to say that for one tournament, but. You can say it. You can say it. Especially for him. And the cool part is, too, is like Sam Bennett's story was fun, but he's an amateur. Michael Block got paid. 200 plus. It was 288, something like that. Almost $300,000. And you know he's going to get some sort of endorsement deal out of this or something along the line, you know? Yeah, and he already got invited to the uh, exemption to this week at Colonial. Like, it's... uh, yeah, and then his him and his you'll see him a bunch next week or the week after, I guess. He's doing he's in sectional qualifying for the US Open with his son. 
His son's playing or caddying? No, playing. His son's oh. also in the sectional qualifying. Wow. That's that's and, I don't that's know if you incredible. heard this story. He he was talking to or his son was talking to his wife, like, hey, who are you rooting for more, me or dad, to make it to the to the US Open? And she goes, she thought about it. She goes, Well, if he makes it and makes a cut, he gets a paycheck. You don't. You don't. <laughs> that's the right answer. <laughs> He can actually get paid for this. You're an amateur. <laughs> so, yeah, you'll see his name a whole bunch this week. Uh, you know, he did a press conference today at Colonial. I didn't see any of it, but I, he, uh, yeah, he's he's the darling. But, yeah, those last two holes, I mean, right after he makes the hole one, he started hitting it squirrely. Makes a bogey on 16. Then he's got a layup on 17. Gets up and down for par from like a buck 15, buck 10, something, whatever it was. And then hits it in like the worst possible spot on a second shot on 18. Short-sided down that big-ass hill in the rough. And then he kept it short. A remarkable pitch shot to keep that short. That was insane. All to keep it at a T15 finish and to automatically get to the PGA Championship next year. Like, it was cool. You know, and and we're we're kind of upset that McLean's not here because – if you watch the coverage, if you watch the golf channel, they talked about, they mentioned McLean's dad. His name popped up on a few graphics. Um, because McLean's dad, we've talked about him a bunch, was an all-star in the club pro ranks. And I'm looking at the list here. He now he has the, I guess after Michael, he has the fifth best finish. Bob Boyd, the fifth best finish among PJ professionals ever at T19. He did it at Shoal Creek in 1990. But then you go down the list, a couple more spots, Bob Boyd, 1994, T30 at Southern Hills, uh, a couple more spots, T52. Like, so, you know, I know McLean and his family were were enjoying all the, the shout outs and the clips and McLean got a chance to, you know, tell his two sons a little bit about their grandfather that they never met. And yeah, so that, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Really cool. I mean, he was, you know, again, I never met Bob, but I, I heard quite a few stories about him. You know, when we lived in North Carolina, um, you know, I know he grew up around the Wilmington area for a little bit and we were in Moorhead City, you know, just an hour and a half away. Um, so some some of the people that I started to play a lot of golf with and meet in that area, they they knew Bob and knew how how incredible of a player he was. So um, and even having Curtis, you know, Curtis was on the pod with us. He knew Bob, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, you know, if, 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 if major champions know who you are, then that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone it seems like involved has ever been involved with the golf in the Carolinas knows who, who Bob Boyd is. And so it was, it was cool that one night I sent you that I was, you know, I can't remember which golf publication put out the list of like top 10 PJ professional finishes. And this was before the tournament even ended just because of you block was going on this, this run. And I'm scrolling through and Bob Boyd, Bob Boyd. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, McLean, you're going to want to look at this. That's That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Really cool. So I know McLean is, is bummed to kind of miss this segment uh, because of that. I'm sure he'd have uh, much better stories to tell uh, about uh, some memories with his dad there. So, yeah, again, Michael Block, just an awesome story. Uh, one of the – our fellow pj member of mine it is just it's just cool now granted he's got way more game than i do and 
probably has different job responsibilities than I do, (laughs) (laughs) or a lot of us do, not just me, but a lot of us do. And and some guys have easier, easier spots to to play in practice. And he probably prioritizes it way more than I do as well, you know, because he's also got a family. So it's cool to see, you know, and, and there's a lot of people out there that say, ah, the pros shouldn't get that many spots. And they, they could be right. The club pros shouldn't get that many spots in the event, but it is our association. Um, and so it's good, you know, it's it's nice well, to see that some of us, some of us, not me, but some of us can still play and still have some game. And when you, when you have a story like that, um, I think that helps validate why it is good to have, yeah. you know, these players. I mean, I, I granted, I, I know that they, these, most of these guys are not playing as much golf or at the level that the PGA, the PGA tour guys are. But like I said, if you get, when you get a story like this, I mean, this is a phenomenal story. But even if you had a guy make the cut, anytime you get a PGA, a PGA, uh, you know, member, PGA professional member, make the cut and and play well, that that like like you said, that all automatically you've got how many PGA uh, PGA professionals are there? Uh, 29,000. 29, so anytime one of these guys makes the cut. You've got 29,000 plus their family and friends who are going to be pulling for this guy. Let's just say you call it 50 to 100,000 fans that are like immediately you have a fan base. Like we're watching, we're tuning in, we're pulling yeah. for you because I, we're the same. You know, you may, you can find a commonality, you can find mm-hmm. some type of unity. And that's what it's all about. Like what, what we've said from, from the beginning about, you know, the things that maybe the, you know, professional golf PJ tour can improve on showcasing these players let's learn more about them and you have an immediate connection when you have a pga professional make the cut or is playing well like everyone immediately wants to latch on they find Mm -hmm. out they google who is this guy where is he from what does he do i mean i did it i was like okay mission bay where where, what course is he at where does he play what's his history how many tournaments has he played in you know and you immediately you know have a have a connection which is what makes it fun to watch golf you know, so yeah. I don't know. I think I think it is good. I mean, it's only what did you say? Twenty? Is it twenty spots or twenty five spots? Twenty spots. Did it used to be twenty five spots, or has it always been twenty? Um, it's been twenty ever since I've been around. Okay, but either way, I mean, could have been way back in the day, but twenty spots that they give to the players that who that run the that tournament. I mean, that I think that's fair. I mean, there's other there's other tours and tournaments that that give more spots that, you know, maybe is not, they're not valid, but like, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it, you get, just, you get good cool. stories like that. It makes it, it makes it fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, we all, anyone in our position, we all got on this game because we love it. We love to play it. We love to be around it. And, uh, and unfortunately with the, with the way, and I'm not going to go on a big soapbox here with, with the industry and, but the way the role has changed over the years, way back in the day, club pros played a bunch, played a bunch, played a bunch. And that has changed, you know, over the decades and we don't play as much as we should. Uh, We should be out there more with our members. We should be out there practicing more than we do. Uh, Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case in a lot of instances with our, um, our profession. And I'm not going to say who's to blame and who's, who's not to blame, but it's, uh, it certainly has changed. It's, it it's certainly has changed. It's almost to the point where it's it's become like, hey, who do we get in that position that is the 
the has the best business sense to to run this business less about you're the face of the club i want to go play with you and have a good time you're the best player at the club it used to be if you were the pga pro you were the best player at the club mm-hmm. um and i know a lot of a lot of places now that's not necessarily the case nor is it wanted like they don't care if you're the best player they just want you to run the business yeah there's almost a stigma now like oh you play too much you practice too much like we're golf uh, wh- professionals like that should be part of what we do. We we yeah. you should if you're at a club, you should want your golf professionals to play and practice and to be good. Yeah, that, that sh- you should. They should be respected as good players. Um, you should appreciate them as good players. So, anyways, I I could I could go on and on and on. I, I'm I'm gonna stop before I say more than I should. But okay, that's fair. I mean, I think I agree with you 100%. I mean, I don't know how long we can do all this agreeing cuz that's no fun <laughs> for anybody, but I do agree with you. <laughs> let's let's find something we can disagree on. Um Here we go. All right, so let's buckle your seatbelts. I don't know if this will be any, a seatbelt conversation. Let's get to our champion. Brooks Kepka wins. He follows up the runner-up finish at the Masters, minor collapse on Sunday there with uh, just a phenomenal performance here. You know, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't think he was going to play well this week. I just wasn't sure. I, I, I just, I think I still get a little PTSD from his full swing episode of like how distraught he was, even though he played well at the Masters. I thought that might have been like a one-off, even though I did tell someone before the week, someone's like, what about Brooks? When I was at the club, I'm like, this is a perfect course fit for him. I just don't know if he can back it up and do it again. And well, he he proved me wrong. He not only did he do it again and get in contention, he freaking won the thing. Um, so I, it's it's remarkable the guy. Um, I've said my piece on him. I don't really like him as a person. I think he's a douchebag. He is impressive to watch on the golf course, and I I respect the hell out of his game, especially in majors. It's he plays it perfectly. He stays calm. I mean, he plays perfect golf for major championship, especially tough venues. He plays the exact kind of game that you want. Say what you will about him off the course or his personality or whatever. But as a golfer, he is pretty damn impressive. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know why he. I don't know the Golf Channel. I, I forget they had the stats up as far as his win percentage and non majors and then his win percentage in majors his win percentage in majors is like 13 and a half percent incredible they had him next to tiger tiger's win percentage in majors was like 16 and a half percent jack was like 14.8 almost 15 and then he's at like three 13 and a half but his non-major win percentage one was like it was like 2.3 not big enough and Jack's was like 18% in non-majors and Tiger's was like 26%. It was stupid in non-majors. Well, I, I mean, that to, to just comment on that quickly, because there's plenty of things to unravel here and layers to peel back. But um, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. He, his game is built for really difficult golf courses because he, if he is in it, if he's healthy, He's got, he's, he's, he's so confident, borderline arrogant, which gives, he gives off that kind of douchebag feel. 
but that's the only way that he can play well. And Tiger was the same way. Mm-hmm. Tiger would come across as a, you know, a, more of a nerdy douchebag um, when he was playing his best golf. But that's that's the that's what got him going. That's what gave him the confidence. And and even in the interviews, like I, I, he he just can't help himself. Yeah. Like when they interview him, like he they ask him a very simple question, you know, and he responds with like such a you know. You know, he can't just give a a solid, you know, simple answer. It's got to be, you know, some, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm saying a lot of ums, but like, it's always some shitty comment. Like, I'm like, <laughs> can't you just give a real, you know, genuine answer? Like, people just want to hear you be honest. And, 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 and I guess he is honest, but like to a fault, yeah. like, but you know that's what that's what gets him going, and that's when that's when he plays his best golf when he's in, on that kind of you know. And I even said it earlier in the week. I was like, when I heard him uh, in our interview earlier, and he kind of gave that same tone, like, "Well, you know, I know I'm I know that half these guys can't beat me when I play in this tournament. So you know, yeah, I'm probably going to play well. I'm like, here we go. Like the douchebag <laughs> is back, and like, watch yeah. out, guys. Watch he has out. confidence and his swagger back. He's going to play good. Like it, it it really comes down to the the difficulty of the golf courses too because he knows he does not have to shoot 15 20 under par when he gets in a golf course like that so in, in my opinion if i look at this on in major championships the pga championship in the last 15 years has played like a u.s open he's won three and obviously he's won two u.s opens those are his two or his five majors these really difficult hard tough golf courses this past year at the at the the Masters, it played relatively difficult. I mean, I, you know, that's argue you can argue that, but it wasn't a twenty under par week. Um, and then you go to like a British Open. It typically, typically the Open Championship plays easy, uh, and he hasn't fared that great in those. But if he finds the right golf course, the right right conditions in an Open Championship, or if the conditions are really tough at Augusta, he's going to be at the top. So I'm I'm at the point now where I'm like if he plays if he plays uh you know the open depending on which which open championship they play and it is a tougher tougher venue maybe the conditions are tough and he mentally can just you know push through or and or the the uh, Augusta say they get out there and just for whatever reason the conditions are are tough that year and they got tough weather and the scores are in the in the single digits Brooks is going to be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially after finishing second this past year, I feel like that was enough to give him confidence. Like, you know what? I held the lead and I blew it. First time I've ever blown a lead in a major. Uh, I can win here. I, I think he's going to win. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think Brooks Kepka, after watching him play, I think Brooks Kepka wins the Grand Slam, the Grand Slam before Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or John Rahm. Okay. And I think I would rank them. Uh, I think I would rank them. Yeah. Brooks Kepka first, John Rahm second, who still needs two more wins. And then I would go Rory and then Jordan speed. And those two are, you know, three a and three B this guy's just a, he's a stone cold killer when it comes to majors. And I, I, I understand that. I don't know. Maybe this is the change in the trend. Like tiger. I think we were, maybe we were uh, spoiled with how dominant he was in every event. Um, and, and, and he even talked about it. It was like, I just want to win majors. And like kids grew up thinking majors, but when Jack grew up, 
he, they didn't even talk about that. They were just like, I just want to play good golf. Like I'm play yeah. and win as many tournaments as I can. And then, and then Tiger started saying that because Jack held this record. Um, and now it's like, I don't care about the other events. I only care about majors. And I'm like, Oh, I mean, you still got to play good in the other ones too. Like if yeah. you really want to be, if you were, but, yeah, you can't just kind of give up on the other ones, but I, I do think his game is just absolutely built for it. He drives it long. He drives it pretty straight. Uh, when he's swinging well, he's a great mid iron wedge player and he's got a really solid short game and, and he has proven himself to be a, a great clutch putter mm-hmm. uh, when he needs he to make a, it. He, he made a even few, made a few great putts early. He made a couple of long bombs early in that day and that round and, which with the finger down the shaft, I still can't believe that he putts so well with that. But that. maybe, maybe uh, that's the maybe that's the thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, he made that huge par putt on thirteen, the par five. You know, Hovland hits a bad drive, has to lay way back. He was like one sixty, mm-hmm. hits a great approach, and then Kepka misses it with a wedge, comes down off the front of the green, puts it from well off the front of the green. You know, to what was it, twelve feet or so? I can probably bring up the uh, yeah. exact distance. And you're thinking, oh man, he's got this 10, 12 footer for par. Hovland rolls in his birdie, and you're thinking, okay, two shot swing, we got a tie ball game here. And he rolls it in, and then pretty much drives the green on fourteen. And you're like, oh yeah. shit, okay, yeah. so yeah. much for he's ready. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that. Uh, how long that putt was. Uh, yeah, 10 feet, four inches. So, yeah, I mean, kind of downhill slider, too. It wasn't, you know, the easiest putt in the world. And I was like, oh, he could easily miss this. And we got a ball game. Oh, and the freaking bunker shot he hit and the par he made on 11 after plugging the um, plugging the ball in the lip there. Yeah. Was that 11? I think it was 11, right? Um, um, yeah. Yeah, he didn't make par. He made bogey. But still, like... It was a hell of could a have shot. Been a disaster. Yeah, could have been a huge disaster. I wasn't sure who's gonna get that ball out of the bunker when I first I, saw it. it uh, I, you know, I, again, it's hard to tell when you're watching it on TV, like how you know you can when you see it in person, you're like, oh, you can't get that out. Yeah, but sometimes in you know uh, watching TV, you can't really tell the depth perception. I mean, speaking of, you know, you you look at that 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 lip on 16. Was it 16 that they? That that Connors and um, Hovland and Hovland hit it in the bank, and everyone's like, "Oh, they see this kind of big lip." But if you if you look at it from maybe the face on view, you're like, "Oh, you had a nine iron, eight iron in your hand. You should you bladed it into the lip of the bunker. Mm-hmm. Like no reason you should have hit it there." Um, so that again, that's where the TV can kind of play tricks on you. Throw it off. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They they just did not hit good shots there, um, and that's a bummer because they. They both were in a good spot there heading into it. I mean, Hovland obviously even more so in the, the last round. Like he he was hanging in there. Like I was I was impressed with Hovland. Like he was making putts when he needed to make them. He was hanging in there. I mean, really the only real bad shot or hit or big mistake was that one. Yeah. Well, I want to get back to Brooks. I got a couple of bigger picture things on Brooks. But yeah, since you brought up the whole Hovland thing, I was I was impressed. You know, uh, I've challenged him on this podcast a few times because I know he personally listens to it. And so he <laughs> <laughs> um, I've obviously cut up his short game a lot, and he—I think I even said he's never going to win a major because he's been in contention in the last year and a half, and just just doesn't look right come Sunday. It just is a different guy than you watch the first three days. But 
he looked like a different guy this past Sunday. I mean, he was hitting some damn good shots. You know, Brooks got off to the hot start, and you're like, okay, here we go. It's going to be a boring day. Yeah. And Hovland didn't back down and makes a couple of birdies of his own. And you're like, all right, we got a game. And he looked comfortable. His body language was good. Everything seemed really good. He was making some good putts. He was hitting some great chips. Now, I think partly the, the course setup helped him, you know, thick, rough. I, I think he... I think he has good touch. I think he just generally has a hard time on short grass just actually hitting it solid. I think that's where his chipping yeah. issues come and, from. And he can use the he can use the rough, the thick rough as more of a bunker shot play and just yeah, kinda, just a gouge and run, chunk yeah. and run kind of thing. And yeah. So he was, he was hitting some good shots there. And then all of a sudden he does the exact same thing that Connors did. It was kind of eerie, eerie, leery. It yeah. was weird. Like you never see a pro do that. Never mind the essentially a one or two guy in the first second back to back days on a weekend in a major like that, yeah. And it was a like you were right. It's a that was a pure blade. Like Both it wasn't a bad lie, it. a tough shot. It was a nine iron, dude. Like you're yeah. the best one of the best ball strikers in the world. You just fucking bladed it. They both are. They're both unbelievable ball strikers, and they just bladed it straight to the face. There must be something to this, and that'd be a, a good conversation for Andrew, um, since I know he spent a lot of time redoing the this golf course. But that's where this this older architecture is is so unique. Like you have a a bunker that has a a uh, from tee to green a downward slope leading into a sharp faced grass bunker, uh, not super tall, but just enough to where you're hitting off of a down slope. And you could tell Hovland was hitting a ball below his feet, slightly downslope, and with a with a you know maybe a two and a half three foot faced you know uh, grass bunker, and it's just intimidating enough to where you you you're you're you want to look and help this ball up, and knowing if you do, you're gonna, yeah. you're going to hit a bad shot. So those are the little those are the little tricks of the trade from, with subtleties, that, of- you know, the subtleties that will and, and you know PB die is is really good at that. Uh, some people would maybe argue not good at it and, and more of like a, a trickster when it comes to stuff like that. But uh, with the de- deception off the tee into the green, thinking you have space and you don't have space or, or visually looking at it and saying, um, you know, I don't have space and I actually do have plenty of space. Mm-hmm. So he likes to play mind games with you. So stuff like that is, I, I think it's, I think it's really cool though, because the way I look at it, you're you're testing the best players on the planet. Like, are you able to evaluate the the true conditions, the lie, and are you really aware of what's going on? Hey, you know what? I can feel that this is a this ball is definitely below my feet, uh, and I'm and it's and it's almost I'm, I've got a little bit of a downslope. I've got the face of this bunker. Being aware of that, like you know what? It's easy for me to kind of hang back and stay tall and catch this thin. But what do I need to do? I need to keep my shoulders level with this ground and make sure your number mm-hmm. one, number one priority when you're in a bunker with any lip in front of you, hit the ball solid, get it up, get it up, get it up. You know, I think that's what we all say, <laughs> <laughs> but you just want to get the ball out of the bunker. And if you hit it great, if you hit it, I mean, you're, the worst case scenario is catch it thin like that. Mm-hmm. The second worst thing was be, would, would be to get it out of the bunker, but maybe catch it a little fat and come yeah. up short. I think both of them would have much rather, um, you know, had the ball been a little fat and come up short and have an opportunity to get up and down for par than yeah. plugging in the face of the bunker. So especially where they were dropping. Yeah, and that's like that's like anything else, like hitting out of the trees or hitting under a tree or hitting over a tree. 
you know, you start getting greedy and you're like, okay, I think I can squeeze a seven iron under this tree and still get it to creep over the bunker. Uh, But really like, you know what? Hit the five iron, get it under the tree. Get Mm -hmm. If it goes in the bunker by the green, it goes in the bunker. You can't hit it into the tree right in front of you. And you know, same thing we're trying to go over. Um, And I, I don't know if that was the case for them. I don't know if they were getting greedy or they just hit bad shots, but I, I know personally I've done that where I'm like, uh, I can get this. I can get this eight iron over the lip of this bunker. I'm like, just get it out of the bunker. Like if you call it short, yeah. get up and down. Get up and down. You're 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 rather be yeah. thirty yards short of the green hitting a pitch shot yeah. than yeah back back in it or because when you do that, typically you're going to have a worse lie and a worse shot in the next one. Oh yeah, that's going to be awful. So and I know I know Andrew was was quoted as saying that they wanted to make the bunkers more of a challenge and a little bit more of a hazard than we've been accustomed to. Another reason I love the guy. So um, <laughs> you don't yeah. want perfect bunkers that you can just hit perfect shots out of. No, don't fucking hit it in there. <laughs> You're not supposed to hit it in there. Uh, but no, Hovland, I, I was I was impressed. Um, it was really that that one shot. That was it. That yeah. I think otherwise. Yeah, you know, it was kind of a little anticlimactic. I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is a nice little duel here. And Scotty Scheffler was making some noise. And then and then and then the Brooks hits the shot on 16 out of the rough to was it two, three that feet, was, maybe two yeah, feet. That was awesome. Like almost holes it. And I'm like, oh well, now it's over. The last two holes don't matter, you know. Uh and it didn't. at least we had blocky. We had blocky getting up and down on 18. Yeah. That helped get the excitement the- up. The drive he hit on, uh, I guess it was 15, right? The one that he drove. Was that 15? Uh, 14, the, the drivable one? 14, 14, 14. sorry. Yep. I mean, that was a, that was, a, I mean, they both made birdie there. I mean, Hovland got him down for birdie, but the the drive that he hit on, I mean, I, I'm looking from the tee box and then they zoom in and you're watching the ball bounce on the green. And I'm like, how is this ball staying? It's like they're hitting onto a, you know, a plateau up there. Yeah. Like, how was this ball staying on up there, you know, from 320 yards or whatever it was away? I mean, and it sat down soft. It, it rolled. It did stop on the edge of the of the fringe there. But I mean, what an incredible shot under the circumstances. I mean, that was just yeah, it was so good. Yeah, the guys, the Kepka's impressive, man. It, it is. I, I I like watching him play golf. I really do. It's it's fun when he's in contention. His attitude or cockiness or arrogance, whatever it is after the round. And some of the comments just, just have bugged me over the years, but um, I'd, I'd much rather watch him than some of the other DBs on live. Yeah. You, you know, so. Um, all right. So where, where do you stack him all time now? I mean, so in active players and I'm taking out tiger and Phil. Because they are counted as active players, but most he, most majors of any active player, he has the most majors of any active player. He's there's only what like fourteen or fifteen guys in the history of golf that have more majors than him. He's tied with a handful. There's there's twenty guys that have won five or more, and uh, fourteen guys have yeah. more majors than him. He's tied with a few. Is he creeping up? I mean. He's not a top 10 player in the history of the game, right? I wouldn't put him in top 10, you know. No, just because of his, his lack of success and just like your, you know, in your regular events and just total wins. Um, I don't think he's won enough 
to but if he can if he can win two or three more if he gets to eight absolutely I, i'd start to put him up there because now you're in a very small select yeah, I mean, if, group if he, he gets um, to eight there's only six guys that have won eight or more yeah you've got uh watts hogan uh nicholas tiger and uh uh walter hogan I, and gary player yeah that's exactly right so i mean yeah I still think I don't know. I think I think you have to look at it when you're when you're talking about greatest of all time and where you rank them. You got to look at the complete body of work, you know. And I again, I know that most people, for whatever reason, I think Tiger, you know, popularized the the major thing, and but it still comes down to like it's good you got majors, but like people still in the back of their mind, like yeah, you don't show up for the other events. Yeah, you know? it's like I mean. I, I mean, that's just me, but I feel like a lot of people say that. I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good, but uh, if he finished 55th at the John Deere, I'm like, okay, um, well, then, you know, he's beatable. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's hard. Like with, with Tiger, he, he just was so dominant with everything, like every tournament. Like if he showed up, you're like, he's going to win. But when Brooks Kepka shows up, you're like, ah, is it a major? No, ah, he'll probably, yeah, he'll probably make the cut. And yeah. But that's the that's the other part. That's where that kind of that kind of arrogance, like it's almost too much. Where like you don't feel like you need to prepare and play for this event. It's like eh, it's kind of a slap in the face to to the fans a little bit. Like, yeah. hey man, I, I'm I want to watch you play your best golf. Like, give me your best. Like, don't just give me your best in the majors. Like, if you're gonna play, then play. So, I mean, again, I'm I'm we're being a little critical, but at the same time, it's like, I'm a fan, you know, I want to well, watch no, it. It's like, if you're a bunch of money, I mean, he's won more majors than regular PJ tour events. So he's won the yeah. waste management twice. He's won the CJ cup. And then he won the uh, WGC when it was the, the FedEx, uh, the FedEx uh, St. Jude. So it's nine, like nine events, nine, nine events, five on, of them majors. on PJ tour sanctioned events. Yeah. I know he won. Didn't he win some on the DP tour? Yes, he he has one. He's won. I think he's got two or three over there. uh, Just one. Only one? The Turkish Airlines Open. So that definitely is is a a chink in his armor when it comes to ranking him amongst the greats. Uh, I think the whole body of work. um, I think if he really wants to be ranked at the top, he's going to need to get to he he's going to need to get to third or tied for or tied for third. Uh, he needs to win eight or nine, nine majors. I guess nine majors would make him tied for third. If he wants to get way up there and, and that regardless of what he does in the other events, if he, if he only wins three or four more PGA tour events, but wins and he won't win any more PGA tour events because he doesn't play out there anymore. He's well, um, we haven't counted as two live wins. He's got two wins. Yeah. On live. Yeah, that's true. Um, but if he wins four more, if he finds a way to win four more, which would be incredible, then yeah, I think you'd have to put him up there regardless. Of, oh yeah, yeah. But, but if you look at look at all those guys who are on that list, look how many PJ Tour events they've won. Now I know that the the PJ the golfing the professional golfing world is fractured a little bit for the moment, uh, which obviously I think is going to change. But he still had a pretty long run with PJ Tour and still only won. You know, four other times. Yeah, you'd almost think if you're so if you're so good, you'd almost like luck into a couple wins. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, I'm just if I'm that good, if I'm one of the all time greats or yeah, one of the best of this generation, you just 
win a few more just because you're that good, you know, with your B game yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at the uh, Gary player, he, he's got, does he have eight or nine majors? Uh, nine. He's got nine. He's got 24 PGA tour wins, four European tour wins and 59, you know, South African tour wins. You know, again, I know he jumped around and played quite a bit, sure. but that's a lot of professional wins. Um, and we're talking about Brooks Kepka that just barely at 34 years old. What is he? 34? Uh, 33. 33. Barely has double digits. Barely. Um, I don't know. That, 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 that definitely holds, it holds him back from being considered in, in, in that list, um, in my opinion. Sure. I, I agree. It's just you got to get it done more in the, in the lesser events. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like he knows I think subconsciously he knows that and he's trying to um he's trying to, you know, he's so I think he's very insecure. Obviously, we saw in that full swing. And he's very um his happiness is uh, is is based on how people view him. I feel like he really he seek he seeks approval and like whether he acts like he acts like he doesn't, but that, doesn't that's care. Big, yeah, doesn't care. But that's a big, big part, in my opinion. Um, so I, I, you know, again, back to the point. I mean, I think he he's he's just got to win more to be in that in that level. I mean, here perfect example: Tom Watson. He's another guy with eight or nine. You got eight, um, yeah, eight major wins, seventy professional wins, seventy. 39 on the PJ tour, eight European, four Japanese, uh, one Asian tour, Australasian one, PJ tour champions, 14, um, and then thir- 11 others, but 70 professional wins. That's, I mean, granted, now Tom Watson played really good golf until he was like 60 some years old. So, yeah. Um, but again, that's, that's why that's he, part of it. That's, that's part, part of being an all time great is the longevity. Yeah. So, I mean, again, he's still relatively early in his career. I mean, he's only, what is he's he's 11 years as a professional. So, um, you know, but, uh, you know, we all know that that playing window is about 20 years. You know, that's really when you're going to win the bulk of your, your tournaments from, you know, 22 to, you know, I'd say forward mid forties. It, it could be extended a little longer now, but most guys don't win anything when they get to their mid forties, you're not going to win a whole lot. Uh, occasionally you may squeak out one if you're really good shape and, but, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what he ends up doing. I, I'd be curious to see if he if he starts playing in some more events and and putting the same kind of pressure on himself to win some of these uh, other events. Like if you're going to play in the Wells Fargo or uh, is it, I guess it's still the, the Wells Fargo, but down at the Quail Hollow, like that's a big event. It's a big money event. Well, he like can't play in it. He can't play in it. But I'm saying when he did play, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Why why weren't you putting that at the top of the list um, and, and trying to push the push yourself to to win those events um and now he's just playing live events with you know i'm after listening to his press conference on sunday i think all those rumors that we heard a few months ago that he wants to come back and doesn't really like live and is second guessing his decision is a hundred percent correct oh yeah no because no they they asked him you know, you listen. They're to not Bryce. on TV. They're not important. Nobody's you watching. To Bryson them. talk, and he's talking about, oh yeah, this is great for our 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 business model and our franchises. We're trying to grow our franchises and all this bullshit that you hear from him. 
And then they, they ask Brooks, like, oh, did you hear from Greg Norman yet? He's like, no, I talked to my wife. That's the only person I want to talk to. I don't really care about, you know, essentially said, yeah, I don't really care about talking to Greg. Like, I don't need to talk to him. Talk to my wife. And then they asked him, well, what does this mean for live? And he goes, I, I don't know. I don't really care. I'm in this for myself. I want to win this for myself. This is big for me and my team. And not not his, I think, like him and his coaches and that kind of thing. Not yeah. his live golf team. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He just kind of shrugged off any live topics or debates. Like, it's not a big deal. I don't really care. I'm, you know, I don't think he wants to be out there. And I think the only reason he went out there is he also kind of went pretty in depth on his knee issues and his surgeries in the press conference on Sunday and how bad it was. And he thought that he might never play golf again. And yeah, I, I think he generally just thought like his game was such a bad place. And we saw in the full swing and he was questioning his health and his knee. And if it was going to hold up and how much longer he had, he's like, I, I got to take this money now. Yeah. Which, and now he's like, Oh shit. Now I'm really healthy. This kind of sucks out here. I want to go back. You know, and that, and again, that those are the stories that most of us don't know about. Like, why did you go? And then, like, as we start to hear, you know, the background of his situation and issues he was having with with his knee, it's like, okay, man, I, I respect you for doing that in a sense. You're like, hey, you you didn't even know if you were going to be able to play on the PGA tour, and someone's guaranteeing guaranteeing you this much money. Okay, I, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you, you should have done that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what happens. Obviously he's now going to be in all the majors. Uh, one other topic regarding Brooks Kepka. He's going to be on the Ryder cup team. Yeah. hundred percent. No, like, I don't think he's with the points that he got. He's up to second on the point list. Now Is he, he jumped in tw- 20 spots. There's no way all these guys pass him. And and he's got two more, two more majors. Two more majors that, to earn points. The way he's playing, there's a good chance he's going to play well in both of those. Hell, he could finish first on the on the points list. Yeah, I, I think there's no chance that he's off this team. I think he's going to actually qualify. Like I don't think it's going to be like oh, Zach Johnson going to pick him as a captain's pick. I think he's earning one of the six spots, and I think it's almost guaranteed. Which would which would open it up for Zach to be like, look, we've already got one guy here. Like if the other guys are playing good golf, you know, let's, I mean, honestly, if Bryson plays well in the U S open and the, and the, and the British open, I mean, I know he is what he is, but like, I, he, if he's playing that well in majors look, and the guy's got such an advantage with length, especially in a Ryder cup, you'd be stupid not to put him on the team as much yeah, as I think you got to be careful about the whole, I, I'm not sure he's a great locker room guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that, but like, I, I don't know. I think that's bullshit. I, I think if the guy's good at golf, and I know that it's like playing another team sport. Like, hey, do I want to hang out with this guy outside of golf or outside of my sport? No, I've been. You've done that. I've done that. But is the guy good? Can I can I suck it up for five hours and play with him so we can win? Yes, I can do that. I want to win. I'll sure. play with the douchebag DeChambeau, and I'll play. I'll play all every day with him, and I'll just tolerate the dumbness because he's good enough, and he's going to make me play. He's going to help me win a match. Hey, I don't care. I'll I'll find a way to play with him. So I think most of those guys are competitive enough to where they can put that stuff aside and be like, you know what. Let's go. Let's if you're playing good, I'll play with you and we'll go in and then we'll we'll go. Like 
I get the whole locker room thing, but I, I also know that like if, if you if you're a good player, they'll figure it out. Like yeah. I can do it. so we'll see how that and, and that's yet to be seen. Like he just had one good finish here. So um but it does it does make an interesting debate. You know, we I think it was it last week that we brought up the Ryder Cup or a couple of weeks ago yeah. when yeah, uh, when totally Wyndham Clark did it and he, you know, we were kind of basically all agreed that there was 10 spots locked up looking at the list and, you know, Burns, Thomas, Morikawa, Fina were going to be the captain's picks. Well, now Speeds out of the qualifying position. So now we're almost saying with Brooks in, there's really only one spot essentially up for grabs because you'd yeah. have to think Spieth, Burns, Thomas, Morikawa, Finau will get a captain's pick. If Again, if these were to hold as is because Brooks made that huge jump, 20 spots. Yeah. Um, it's almost like who's that one last that last pick now. So I don't know. Interesting. But yeah, we're gonna have some live presence in uh in Rome, right? Rome. I know it's Italy, but I think it's Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Marco Simone. That's the name of the club. Marco Simone. You pronounce the E just a lot like Maroni. Are you Simone? Italian? It's not Marone. <laughs> pronounce the E. It's Maroni. That's weird. Are you Italian? Why would you know? I'm a paisan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anything else from the um, PJ Championship? Oh, kill. G- general thoughts on the course? Uh, I thought it was awesome. I love the. I loved the setup. I thought it was great. Sh- narrow fairways. I know we can't do this every week, but I think they should do it more. I don't even think they need to play it that that course that long. Um, and I don't think they need to play that firm, um, in my opinion. But I I did love the I love the narrow fairways. I love the the you know the push-up green, so to speak. Um the, I don't know, just the old classic golf course that I just I love that. I think it's beautiful. I mean, I would play those courses, even though it would beat my brains in to play it because it's hard <laughs> as shit. But I would love to play that. I did, yeah. I just thought it was beautiful, you know. And I, I talked to a good, good friend of ours. Both both of us know Paris Panya. He's played in that. Um, what's the two man amateur event that they have up there? I wish I could think of the name of it, but it's a big it's a big two man event. Um, and he's he said in the past they they play this event like it's a major. They play the play the tips. They play seventy close to seventy four hundred yards. Um, and they have, you know, the rough up, they have the greens rolling, you know, at least 12, 12 and a half, 13, which is tough out there. And he said, if you been a two man best ball, if you shoot even par, you are in the top five, you're competing, you're, you're trying to win. And he's, and that just in a two man event that you're trying to shoot even par. And he, the one thing he did say that, that they changed for this, um, for this championship or the PGA championship was that they, they widened, widened some of the approaches in the past. They would really um, narrow those approaches into where you only had like three or four yards. So you really couldn't, if you hit it in the rough, you couldn't really bounce these balls up. You're just kind of bouncing it in the rough. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this event, they, I wouldn't say they made it, it, it wasn't easy, but they did help the players and give them an, an option to, to kind of bounce these balls up on the green, which yeah. I feel like being super thick rough. That that's only fair. I mean, it doesn't mean these guys are going to be hitting it into you know three or four feet doing that, but at least it gives them a chance to hit the green. But overall, I think I thought the course was awesome. I wish they I wish they would play more of these, find more tour events to play like this. 
didn't didn't need necessarily need to have it you know so firm and fast in the fairway i mean i saw balls bouncing like 40 50 60 yards mm-hmm. like that's that's crazy but um overall did overall, you see uh gino joel damon's caddy gino bonelli no, you get to play he... it on Monday for some reason. Oh, I heard about that. The caddies get went back out and played it. And played yeah. it. And he's a scratch golfer. He's like a plus point two or something. Yeah. And he shot 85. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 85. I think he, he didn't make a par. He doubled the first hole and then made eight consecutive bogeys on the front nine. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, it. The people just don't realize how difficult this. And it's for like, go back going back to Michael Block for him. And he's a great, great PGA professional. Uh, I mean, uh, he's based on his stats and how far he hits it. He's not a PGA Tour player. Yeah. 150 plus mile an hour ball speed. You're at the bottom of the barrel there. You, you, he wouldn't be able to con- c- keep this up. You know, he knows that, and he even said it. Um, he's like, these guys are good, but it, it's just so people don't realize how difficult it is and how good these guys are. You know, to be able to play the golf they played on a go- golf course like that. You know, yeah, I was looking at it too, and I was like, I don't think I would think if I if I shot eight, if I broke eighty, that would be like shooting sixty five on any other golf course. Mm-hmm. Incredible, yeah, but it's, yeah, awesome, awesome venue. I love seeing, I love seeing these older older golf courses in the Northeast. Um, that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. It, the old school stuff is is good. I, I'm still not. Even though this is kind of what I grew up around, was that kind of style? It's still not my style as I've gotten older and played more and more golf around the country, and it has its place in the in the game of golf, and that's what yeah. they are. You know, it's not a knock on Andrew's work. I think he did phenomenal work. From it's just hard. It's, it's just it's hard. hard. Yeah, it's just it, and, it, I, and it it's limits, not the most entertaining it, to me. It limits the options for for the mass of majority of the players. You know, whereas you play more of a link style golf course, like open championship, like anybody can hit that shot that that, you know, so-and-so hits on the whatever hole where they mm-hmm. putted it from 70 yards away. Like, oh, I, I hit that same shot because, you know, that was the shot to play. And I did it the same way that, you know, John Rom did in in, in the open championship, which which kind of makes it cool. Yeah. Um, but I I do think, and you know, to to play more golf courses like that with that with that amount of difficulty, I think it's fun. I mean, I do like having a bunch of different looks though, but it, we don't see, mm-hmm. we just don't see this on a weekend week. Yeah. It's too difficult yeah. for the players; they get so bent out of shape about it. But it's fun for the viewer to watch the guys struggle mm-hmm. a little bit, you know. Um, sure. Yep. And to see who's mentally tough, like who can. Who can hang in there when they're not making birdie on every other hole? Like, oh, I just chunked it out of, or I just chunked it out of the rough. And you know, like Aaron, I saw one clip of Aaron Ray hitting a hybrid, and he hit it like five feet. You know, or like Gary Woodland, you know, hit a shot like that, hit something, hit a three wood or something out of the, out of the rough five feet. He killed me, killed me. This <laughs> I, I had another rough. Another I saw your rough head drop when I brought his name up. You were just another like, rough week in gambling. I quit, I quit gambling and golf. Um, so let's make our picks. I'm ready. <laughs> Fucking McLean won again. Gosh, didn't anybody I'm, look at our rankings? I know. I feel like I need to. I, I think somehow we need to like 
get an IT guy to like block that on his phone and his personal computer somehow. You can't use the power rankings. You can't use it. See how you do that. So he won. You came in third. I came in last. I just had a god awful week in picks. I did win. A, I, I did cash like 70 bucks in another DraftKings league. Completely different lineup. But who did you have? What was that lineup? Curi- curious. Uh, I, I don't remember. I had Hovland. I did win a little money. I had a I had a top top ten and top five bet on Hovland, which made my hole a little less small. That sounded terrible. <laughs> uh, I really thought, uh, and I said it early in the week. I, I really thought Cantlay was going to play better than that, and I thought Shafley was going to play better than that. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I just I think Shoffley just doesn't hit it far enough. The more and more I watch him, I just think he I think he's uh he does so many things well, but I think he puts himself at a little bit of a disadvantage with with the distance. I was shocked at Ron how bad Ron played. Uh, yeah, I, I was too. I agree. I agree. Shocked. I mean, I told you last week, I was like, I put a lot of money on him to win. Yeah. Um and then I would he shoot 76 in the first round. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. He goes that bad. So I would I would have Scheffler obviously played, he came back and played well. He was he struggled yeah, a little bit. I would have thought that he would have he would have played. No, yeah, Scotty. No, I'm saying Scotty. Oh, Scotty, Scotty. I thought yeah. I would have thought he would have played. I would that would have been my pick, and I just couldn't afford him in any of my lineups. I couldn't make it work. It just didn't make sense. But yeah, well, that that third round, I think he's kicking running. himself in the ass. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Scotty's game, though he, I heard the stat. I want to say I forget who it might have been Andy Johnson with the fried egg and the shotgun start made a great point on Scotty's game. He had the stat about his like bogey avoidance. And we've we've talked about this in the amateur game too. It's he doesn't make a lot of bogeys, and that's what keeps him in it. He he just is okay stringing together eight pars in a row. And yeah. in an event like this, that's going to keep him in it for a long time, even yeah. when he doesn't have his quite the whole game. He, yeah, he's just good at he's he's a grinder too. Like he knows how to keep himself in the game. And yeah. then when he gets if, when his putter's hot, then he's going to win. I mean, is how about that, this? Talk about how how cold his putter was this week. He did not make a putt over 15 feet the entire oh. tournament and finished T2. That, that is maddening. That is, I mean, if you play four rounds of golf and you're hitting the ball pretty, you're hitting the ball decently on a extremely difficult golf course and you don't make a single putt outside of 15 feet, like I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I, I would lose it. I would just mentally, I would just, that's probably why I'm not on the PJ tour. Cause I probably just would, I couldn't have like, I, how is this ball not going in? I was just like, my brain would explode. Like, I, I mean, I and like that I just goes to, to the listeners, the amateurs that are listening to this. We've talked about expectations and this, he, he just, he retook over number one in the world with a T2 finish. He's the number one player in the world. He just played four rounds of golf and did not make a putt over 15 feet. On absolutely perfect, perfect green. greens. Perfect, what do you expect to greens. make? Yeah. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah. But he'll he'll always be up there. But let's get to um Charles Schwab at Colonial this week. It's actually a surprisingly pretty decent field. I was um Not too bad. I was looking at the list and I was surprised that um 
some of these guys and you got oh, where's my list here here it is i mean you got scotty playing again hovland homa spieth finau sam burns morikawa um yeah so, some some good top flight guys playing this week much different golf course uh i guess still premium on driving the ball but much shorter yeah um course that everyone should be pretty familiar at they give you the crappy jacket when you're done and uh all right you beat me i came in last so you can go first awesome um i will uh start i always like to start at the bottom um 6200 bucks uh friend of the pod mr callum Terran. 6200 6200 wow that's low Coming off of a t- uh, t or I guess a 29th finish uh, cut made the week prior, he's he's kind of a little bit been all over the place a little bit, but I feel like he's trending in the right direction and maybe getting some positivity and, and getting some confidence of finishing, you know, 29th in the top 30 in a major. 6,200 bucks, the guy can make a ton of birdies when he wants to. Um, so I'm I'm kind of banking on him to get hot, and it, it kind of fills up my. Fills up my list here and makes it all makes it all work at that price range. But um, then I jump up to Mr. Justin Suh playing some good golf, 26 last week, um, and then six at the players. I mean, th- I, this guy's talented, I think. He's he's mm-hmm. a good player. Fifth at the Honda, uh, 24th at the Arnold Palmer. You know, he he didn't play well at the the Byron Nelson, but um I, I he's this guy's good for 7100 bucks. I mean, again, he can he can score, he can get the ball in the hole. He's made 15 to 20 cuts this year. He's good. I think he's gonna win before the end of the year. Um so 7100 bucks makes sense. And then I'm since uh McLean's not on the pod, um, somebody has to take Ryan Palmer. I um, almost took him too. So, I didn't, but I almost did. Yeah, there you go. Enough said. Um, then I jump up to Mr. Ricky Fowler, uh, miscut, first miss, miscut, and uh, this year, um, and I, I, you know, again, I don't. And majors are tough. Like you can, you can catch a funny wave, and you know, just catch a couple bad bad breaks. Uh, he he missed the cut by one shot. I don't think he played that poorly. I think he played pretty well. Just had a couple bad breaks. Um, so I still think he's playing some good golf. And I too, I do uh, as well think that. Uh, Ricky Fowler will win before the end of the year. Uh, and this this would be a perfect, you know, Ricky Fowler win. Kind of a middle-tier event. No one's really expecting him coming off of a miscut. But it's one of those tournaments where he can kind of get get on a roll and and catch some buzz, get some confidence. Um, so I, I think Ricky Fowler finishes in the top 10 this week um, at 8900 bucks. Um, then I jump up to Chris Kirk, 9100 bucks. Again, uh, you can go down the list here. I think he's only missed one cut in the last, I don't know, 10, 12 events. And he's got an incredible history um, here at this event. So I, I don't. I think he's won this event once, uh, you know, maybe one, one or two top fives, a bunch of top 15. So um, I, I, would, I would suspect that he would uh, have another good week. Um, and then I jump up to my uh, number one pick. Who we've talked about extensively just just now, eleven uh, five, Mister Scotty Scheffler. Wow, I had a feeling you were going there when you took Callum at sixty two hundred. You had a lot of dollars to play with. I, the guy's just he's just playing so good. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I 
what has he finished out of the top? He hasn't finished out of the top 12 since the CJ Cup in, in October of last year. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a crazy stat. He's got uh, you know, an 11th place, a 10th place, a 12th, and 11th. Like he, I, I don't know. I mean, again, I probably jinxed myself by saying that, but <laughs> the guy's just playing, and playing. he's from Texas. So, yep. I mean, I just – I, if he if he's not contending, I would be surprised. Now, for him to win, he's going to have to make some damn putts. Like I don't think he can win a tournament. And I'll, he almost won a major not making fifteen a putt outside of fifteen feet. But I think in a little bit like different an event like this, you're going to have to you're going to have to make some putts to to yeah. win. Okay. Anyway, there's the list. I like it. I like it. Um, I hate my team. <laughs> you're going to win. I can feel it. I just don't like it. So I, I went kind of a lot of a lot of middle of the road guys. I, I didn't get any of the tall high guys. I, uh yeah, I hate my team. Uh <laughs> I I don't I don't think I was gonna say the winner comes some someone from my team wins. I don't think for some reason this is gonna be a stud. Top five or six, you know, favorite in the field wins this week. I don't know why. It's just a hunch I have. I can believe that. I feel like just coming off a coming off a major, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Some guys just get yeah, they get there and they're like, oh man, I'm tired. I don't want to do this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I want to conserve my energy a little bit, and so I, I think this is going to be a slightly lesser um, player win. So I'll start at the bottom. I got a lot of guys right around the same dollar value, um, seventy seven hundred Emiliano Grillo. Uh, plays this golf course well is uh, I'm not going to hold anyone hold it against them for if they're missing the cut last week. That's just a hard damn golf course. And yeah. you, you just get a little off there and you get punished severely, but has been playing well, has a decent track record here. So him, then I go up to another uh, tall, pasty white Georgia guy, Brendan Todd, $7,800. <laughs> Had him in my, in my list there for a while too. Uh, has played this golf course very well, is driving the golf ball very well, which you're going to need to do. Um, but two top 10 finishes here the last two years. So I like the course history there. Then I go up to Kurt Kitayama, uh, $7,900. I just love the value. Uh, $7,900 for you know a top 20 player, top 30 player in the world. Coming off of a Top five finish at the PJ Championship. Been a little spotty. He's a little feast or famine this year um, with his finishes. He's either top 20 or missed the cut, it seems like, yeah. recently. So we'll take a little bit of a gamble there with Kitayama. Then I go up to $8,000. Uh, Taylor Moore is driving it well. Um has only played this golf course once, but he's a missed the cut, but he's a a newer face to the tour, so doesn't have quite the history. So I like him. He was my last pick and just kind of fit the <laughs> fit the dollar value that I had left. Yeah. Then I go up to two um European vets. Ninety two hundred dollars, Tommy Fleetwood. This golf course fits him perfect. He is playing well. This year, sneaky resurgent kind of year. So I just think the the course fit is just perfect. I'll be shocked if he's outside the top ten this week. I, I had him in my in my lineup 
I had him and Todd in my lineup until I had I just had to make I couldn't make it work, so I had to rearrange it. And then I finished with uh, Justin Rose, $9,300. Again, I think the course fit is perfect. Coming off a top 10, he's won here in the past. Having a great year. So, um, yeah, there you go. I don't know. I kind of talked myself into liking it a little bit more as I was going there. But so we'll see. I have no track record in the last couple of months of being successful. So I'm not sure why I would now. But you never know. We'll maybe turn it around the Colonial. This but, is the yeah, so I, was, I always feel like you get a good finish this tournament. Like There's never a runaway. It's always close. I feel like there's always been some big putts made on 18. Um, so I'm looking forward to looking forward to watching it. Yeah, should be good. So should be good. Uh, without further ado, Jay Bird, if you don't have anything else, I'm done. And um, we'll see you next week. Yeah, man. Thanks, brother. We'll see you next week. Cheers.